when I joined this company in April of 2008, I was employee ID 39. I am leaving and we are a company, just NGP Van in every action of a little over 500 and a broader company of 1300. And that change from 39 to this many did not happen overnight. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. In 2019, I spoke with Amanda Colomb, who was then general manager for organizing at NGP Van and Every Action. Since that time, there's been tremendous change, acquisitions, mergers, growth, many people both joining and leaving. It's been remarkable to observe it all from the outside. The leading entity in progressive technology has been anything but static. So I feel really privileged to have Amanda back on the show today to talk about some of those changes, which include her elevation to president, the purchase of the company together with two others by Apex Partners, the departure of CEO Stu Trevelyan and other important leaders, the naming of the corporate parent company Bonterra, which she had to come back after the interview for a few minutes to discuss, and now Amanda's own decision to leave her full-time work there while continuing on in an advisory capacity. I had many, many questions, and Amanda was really wonderful in her willingness to tackle them and describe where she thinks things stand and will go. So, after a quick word from our sponsor, my interview with Amanda Colomb at Bonterra slash NGP Van. This episode is brought to you by Graphicacy. Graphicacy is an analytic design firm that can help you advance the mission of your organization using your own real data and information. They are 21st century visual communicators who create interactive graphics, motion graphics, and data visualizations. You can find Graphicacy at graphicacy.com. That is G-R-A-P-H-I-C-A-C-Y.com. With Graphicacy's help, you can visualize a better world. So I interviewed you back in 2019. I was trying to remember when it was. I'm like, time's a flat circle, but I felt like it was like two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, a, a non-flat circle is a sphere. What's a flat circle? I, that's a good question. Christopher Columbus would probably know. <laughs> <laughs> so when I did, you were general manager and we talked a little bit about that what happened after that what happened at the company and what happened with your position and catch me up a little bit if anything changed a lot changed (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so i guess i'll start with myself so i did pick up several additional titles (laughs) at that time so in march of 2020 um right as 
COVID was happening, I became EVP, Executive Vice President for Services. So sort of took on management of our account management and data services and client services teams. And then at the end of the 2020 election became president of NGP Van. And then in September of 2021, I became general manager for every action. Just a four by six business card. Um, but <laughs> did that. And then obviously, you know, at the company, everything from a couple additional acquisitions. So we brought on the team from Mobilize uh, at the end of the 2020 election and then brought on the teams from GiveGab and Salsa under the Avery Action heading um, in like spring to summer of last year. Um, and then obviously had an exciting round of investment from Apex Partners in uh, September of, of 2021 that sort of joined every action with cyber grants and social solutions as part of what we are currently calling Good Co. But will have its own name uh, in pretty short order that would love to give you the scoop, but unfortunately I'm not, <laughs> not able to do that at this point. Since when I interviewed Amanda, she couldn't tell me the new name of the company yet. I waited a few days and spoke to her again, and this is what she said. Amanda, tell me a little about this new name that the parent company of all of this uh, political tech has taken on. Bonterra. Yes. Bonterra, huh? Good Earth. Yes. Good Earth. And um, really thinking about it in terms of the foundation of all good works. It's been... Um, Really interesting to see all of the work and research and I think, um, yeah, work and research that's gone into putting it all together, really wanting to make sure that it's reflective of who we want to be and how we want to serve our customers. And I think one of the things that I like the the most about it is who are we representing and who do we want to be in the market? And that is like the optimistic advocate, sort of going back to the my product roots and user personas and that sort of thing, thinking about uh, that optimistic advocate and who is actually logging in and using our tools every day in order to drive social good and social impact forward, right? Um, in order to make their lives and their jobs easier and more efficient. So, yeah. So you referenced a lot of work and research that you saw. Tell me a little uh, behind the scenes about that. What went into it? The marketing team um, led by our new CMO and really led by Aaron diving in and um, driving a lot of that for the last six, seven months. You know, everything from customer interviews, staff interviews, uh, obviously a lot of market research went into it. Um, so, yeah, it was just, frankly, for me, like having never seen something on that scale, right, in terms of putting a brand like that together was just really interesting. Were there like a list of, of competing names that you ever saw? I didn't see it. But yes, I believe there there was. Our CMO joked that, you know, in, in many ways, it was more difficult for her to um, help name this company than name her children. So. <laughs> I feel that as someone who named NGP software originally, I have no standing to criticize any other name. So <laughs> I'm sure a lot more thought went into this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, anything else you want to say about the new name? Not specifically about the new name. Having launched yesterday and chatting with customers and other folks, just frankly making sure people know and understand that Bonterra is the parent um, and that NGP Van is also sticking around, right, as a brand in the market. And we're not changing that. And, um, you know, for whomever is in your audience who's a customer or a client, right? Making sure that they know and understand nothing changes about their contract, nothing changes about who they're dealing with. Um, so want to make sure that that is really clear for folks moving forward. Well, thanks for giving me this quick update and I wish you the best with your remaining time at Bonterra. Well, thanks again. I hope people respond positively. Now I'm back to the regular interview with Amanda. So I'm curious, like what was different about being president than being general manager? For sure. I mean, I think a couple things. One is, you know, being general manager for organizing felt very much like sitting in the pocket, you know, where I'm like, okay, this is the thing, like voter activation network van organizing, like that was obviously so much of my um, my personal background, you know, and comfort zone. And so um, expanding into the president role of NGP Van, the scope was just bigger, right? It was like working a lot more with Lou and Chelsea Peterson and obviously Mike Liddell to really kind of broaden my understanding of all things NGP Van, right? So fundraising and compliance and digital has always been a little bit more of the bridge between fundraising and compliance and organizing. So that was really interesting for me, right? I feel like it gave me a more holistic understanding of frankly, like how our customers experience our products and the role that we play across the full ecosystem. I'd say the other big thing on that is (laughs) honestly just like some of the people management, HR side of things, just needing to more completely own some of that as it related across all of those different departments. So those were probably the the two biggest things. And that's quite a vote of confidence in you. I mean, you came in, as you described in the first interview we did, came in as a support person and also had a lot of experience in campaigns and did some back and forth, but like really grew an expertise over time in the product and in all of the things it took to become a general manager and then president. I mean, that's quite a rise. It It is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's super awkward uh, for me, quite frankly, because yes, it's like on the, you know, obviously I announced this week that I'm going to be stepping back. Um, and it's been a real time of reflection to think about that, right? Where it's like, I, I came into this organization 25 years old. And I like to tell this story, like my partner, Roger, thought I was going to work in IT, you know, he was like, what is, you were an organizer, what's happening? And I'm like, I'm not fixing printers, you know, although that has been very important. No, so I I really have been incredibly, incredibly grateful for the investment that so many people have made in me 
to give me these opportunities to to grow and challenge myself and frankly grow with the organization. Certainly Stu Trevelyan, you know, definitely consider him a friend and mentor um, and, you know, have learned so much from him. Honestly, also, you know, Lou Levine, both when I was stepping into the GM role for organizing back in 2015, just Lou's help and guidance was huge and continued to be as, you know, I, I uh, stepped into the president role, uh, Jim and Mark, obviously, but then also, frankly, our our clients, our partners. I really credit so much of what I've feel I've been able to do here with the real partnership and communication and working relationships that I've been able to build with um, customers from across the ecosystem, right? To be able to, to really know and understand what are they trying to do with our products? And then for myself, I've really just felt like how am I being the best steward of that, right? How am I making sure that we're reflecting as much of that back as as possible? And then the last thing, obviously, I'll say is, you know, the rest of the staff here, it's just such an incredible group of people. And, you know, as I've grown in the organization, being able to recruit people and bring people in and see a bunch of them start to sort of like move up into different positions, into their own management positions, all of those things. Like that's certainly been one of the things that's been most fulfilling for me because I think it's a great place to work and we're doing really good work and seeing other folks get that opportunity um, and be able to stay here and help kind of like continue the mission, continue the work has been really incredible. I hear some emotion in your voice about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I um, it'll be 14 years, uh, right? My last day in the role is uh, April 15th, and I um, am not made of stone. <laughs> so I think you don't spend this long doing this work and in a position in a place like this um, without feeling really connected and really passionate about the work and what we're doing here. And I made the decision and said, hey, you know, there's never a good time to leave. But sort of like looking around here, seeing the direction of things that I'm super optimistic and happy with and also seeing other people who I think are really ready to step up into leadership positions, right, is what sort of allowed me to feel like, hey, even though there's never a good time, like this might be the best time for for me to make this choice. I've just... I've never taken a break, Nathaniel, you know, Um, and certainly since especially 2015, I've been saying it's both like a sprint and a marathon, right? For the last like six or seven years, a sprinting marathon. Um, So, so yeah, uh, uh, on the one hand, I'm very excited about this opportunity to uh, kind of take this step back, catch my breath, sort of like figure out what's the next thing that I want to do. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, very, very passionate about what is happening here and going to miss seeing and talking to 
everybody internally and externally every day, um, the, the way that I do and the way that I have for the last many, many years. <laughs> During the time that you have operated as president or uh, the new title that you have now, what were you trying to do? What were the main goals for the, the part of the company that you were running? What direction were you trying to steer things? For sure. That's a really interesting way to put it. Let me think about how I want to frame that for a second. I put up a blog post a little earlier this week. And, um, you know, so much of the work that I've been doing with the team here for the last six months, um, especially has been, hey, how are we thinking about not just 2022 or 2024, but beyond that, right? And what is our role in the ecosystem with our customers. And I'm thrilled that there's been this great alignment around these three sort of tenets, right? One is how are we reinforcing the core? Meaning, hey, if we are foundational infrastructure, how are we being thoughtful and intentional about the kinds of updates that we're making in our core platform? to ensure that we're letting people run the kinds of programs that they need to run with not just our tools, but the other tools that they're using and that we're able to really be that central CRM for that activity. How are we also innovating, right? And looking out at what are the trends, what are the, the outreach channels or things like that that make sense for us to take on on our own, right? And, and building those out. Um, and then the last piece is how are we helping lead in the ecosystem, right? How are we continuing to invest in our API platform and helping other vendors or other partners sort of like step up as other channels or other kinds of um, contact programs are, are happening? Right. Um, and really making sure that, again, we're, we're being a good partner for all of that. So I feel like those were really, for me, very important, like foundational ways that, that we needed to be operating in the ecosystem. And again, it's why I'm so glad that that is, you know, sort of like the guiding principles of the path that the, the company is taking moving forward. How do you think the company's doing on moving down that path? I think, unsurprisingly, pretty well. <laughs> you know, um, we actually just released in the last couple of weeks, right, when I especially think about something like reinforcing the core, right, we released the largest update to minivan, minivan nine, as we have in the last couple of years. We actually did a huge user experience survey. Uh, we worked with this company called Related Works to do that right uh, in the middle of really like 2019 and, and just at the very beginning of 2020. Um, so basically pre-COVID because we had this plan to, to do this project. And then when COVID happened, we really had to like throw our roadmap up in the air and be like, all right, everything's changed. Where can we be most helpful? But so Minivan 9 is super focused on the first time canvasser experience, right? Especially in a world of distributed organizing, shiftless organizing, right? Like sort of with the thought that not 
every volunteer, and in fact, most volunteers at this point, aren't necessarily going to be in a staging location or be in an office where they can get training, right? Where they have an organizer next to them who can walk them through the app. So we just released that. We also just released a bunch of work around allowing people to add names in the voter file and do things like diacritic support on extended name lengths and things like that. Some of the core focus there was around um, uh, trying to address issues of dead naming, right? Um, Where we want everyone to be able to be addressed by their, you know, accurate complete affirming name. And I think in a lot of ways, we talked about 2021 as sort of like a renewed infrastructure year. So we did that project. We did Minivan 9. We also did a bunch of work around our phone number infrastructure, right? And how disconnects are flagged and associated with contact. And I know that sort of thing sounds, I mean, it sounds dry as hell, quite frankly, (laughs) but I think it's the kind of investment that we need to be making again. It's like if we are the core democratic and progressive sort of CRM platform in the space, right? Like these are the issues. This is the kind of program that our customers are running that we need to be responsive to. I think in terms of, you know, those additional channels on the NGP side, all of the investment that we made in the call time mobile app and just rolling that in. Every NGP package now includes that app in the same way that minivan is included as part of our organizing packages. Um, Again, just being really responsive to, hey, call time is changing and not everybody is going to have a binder with uh, 50 or 150 pages printed out in order to to track that, right? Um, So doing that, but also extending that to call time connect, right? We have an integration so that that can be sort of like click to dial. I think the VPB connect product that we released in 2020 and really in response to the pandemic when everyone was shifting back to phones and thinking about where and how could we be most useful for that. I think those are great examples of that. And then, you know, on the helping lead in the ecosystem side, I think, look, we had over, I think, close to 4 billion API calls in in 2020, right? Not nothing. We have over 300 standardized integration types Right. And look, I think probably when when you and I talked in 2019, um, certainly coming out of the 2016 election, like we had a lot of work to do there. And, you know, the ecosystem was changing so much. Right. Seeing new players come into the space. Um, But I really feel like that has continued to be a core investment area for us. and, And I feel like we're doing pretty well. So not to toot my own horn. (laughs) But I think that in terms of those three guiding areas, like I think we have made continued investment there, down payments on that directionally. And I feel like we're set up really well to continue doing that in the future. Being part of running uh, what's become a very complicated business, all those acquisitions that you mentioned and the others that had come before having to be integrated in. And at the same time, a process is going on where the what you refer to as the APAX investment, but really where the company sold and repackaged with two other companies bought by APAX, um, another private equity firm. That's a lot going on 
that isn't just like the nitty gritty of building the product that you're talking about. How did that going on affect you and your job before it went through and then after? So, I mean, the first thing I'll say is I do think it's like a real credit to Stu, right? In terms of how he kind of like managed that and frankly made it so that people like myself, people like Lou, people like Chelsea and and Mike and other folks could really stay focused on the day-to-day, really stay hyper-focused on, hey, we, no matter what, at the end of the day, our job here is to be supporting our customers, supporting the work that they're doing. And then obviously, yes, you know, thinking about how are we as thoughtfully and intentionally as possible onboarding and thinking about how we're integrating these products, but also the people (laughs) at these companies, right? I think like that's a piece that can kind of easily be forgotten if you're not in the middle of it, right? It's just like, hey, you know, salsa staff, give gap staff, mobilize staff, all of these folks. It's like, you need to be thinking about how are they becoming part of the broader team here, feeling supported in that, making sure that they understand and know that like their work that they're doing every day is important. And so I would say it's sort of more on that latter side of things that I was a bit more involved in. And in many ways, it was also through my my role with the services teams, right, is just figuring out, hey, how are we doing sort of these customer handshakes? How are we making sure that, that things are working appropriately that way? I certainly spent way more time, I should say, with the whole team at Mobilize, right, just kind of helping make sure that all of that was was sort of landing well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that those were probably the biggest impacts. One, just... Thank you um, to Sue for letting me sort of focus on like the day-to-day of my job. Um, but then in the parts that did expand, it was more about, hey, how are we making sure that the people and the customers of these other products were also being like well-served? After the Apex acquisition, how have things changed? Oh, wow. I'm trying to think of like how to answer that for myself, but then also how to think of it in terms of the company, right? Because I think that those are those are different answers. Um, so first of all, it's just a bigger company. <laughs> so like from 2019 to now, what's the difference in personnel, for example? Oh gosh. Um, so just on you know the NGP van and, and every action side, if we incorporate the other acquisitions from 2019, I want to say we're at roughly like, let's say 250 to 300 people. And we've gotten up to around 500 people. And now the entirety of the company is about 1300 people. Significant. I think that there's a lot of really positive stuff there, right? In terms of, hey, uh, even on like the HR team, right? Like we have people who are in charge of talent acquisition and supporting managers through that, right? And thinking about like, what is our cadence for staff communication and and kind of sticking to that and support infrastructures in place. A lot of that is really positive. I think it also gives in a larger company, there are more opportunities for people to 
build longer careers, right? And not kind of like be on exactly the same path or frankly waiting for, you know, their direct manager who's the only person doing that job in the company, you know, to sort of like move around in order for there to be an opportunity for them. So I think there's that. Obviously, it's just like an endeavor like this. There is a lot of change management. I have long thought that like, (laughs) this isn't, this isn't super deep, but the only constant in life is change, right? And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I choose to see all the positive parts of it. I think for me, on the personal side, it has been just a lot of, okay, how am I helping, you know, sort of guide everyone through this and make sure that, you know, these infrastructure pieces are in place um, and frankly, helping new team members and new leaders sort of like get that better understanding of what it is we do here at, at NGP Van and Every Action in order to make sure that that they get it and that they feel comfortable uh, sort of like moving forward with what that mission is and who we're serving. One of the biggest surprises and changes post the acquisition was uh, that Stu left. And, uh, you know, I took a walk and chatted with him about it. I understand his thinking from how he told me about it, but that is very consequential. I mean, for a while, you know, he had been, the leader for a long time and certainly driving the company to the kind of growth that it had and the and the sort of financial outcomes that it had is was really him it it seemed like for a while he would be the ceo of the the full enterprise and uh, it didn't work out that way and what that means for the company is that someone else who isn't steeped in political tech as Stu was since the early to mid nineties in, in, in the tech side, um, is now kind of the head honcho. And a lot of the sort of C-suite doesn't have that domain knowledge that you have and that Stu had and other folks have. So how do people outside the company understand that particular change and what its consequences are? Sure. I feel like I can sort of reflect on this as I'm, you know, stepping into this advisory role from being in the day-to-day. But even as I've been in in the day-to-day and certainly experiencing the phone calls and things like that as, as Stu was stepping away, I think it's incredibly important, right, that not just internally but externally it's like how do I put this? It's like, what does it mean to be infrastructure, right? Um, It means that, uh, you know, we're not the car that's driving down the highway, we're the highway, right? And so uh, Stu or myself or anybody else can sort of like be the person in seat who is making sure that like potholes are getting filled and like we've got the right number of rest stops and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's, hey, how, how are we ensuring that there is like a commitment and standards to this highway existing and, um, and being well-maintained? From my perspective, people are in place who are able to do that. But more than that, there's just a firm commitment to, hey, this is a big, important part of what even this larger enterprise is is doing 
And frankly, it would just be crazy for anyone to try and change that, right? And there's no desire whatsoever to change that. You know, I think it's like, as you go into this, like people need to understand, you know, what they're investing in or what they're buying and and they did. And that means like NGP Van will continue to be, you know, serving exclusively Democratic candidates and progressive organizations who align with, with our acceptable use policy. Um, and that's not changing. I remember, frankly, Nathaniel, when you left and when Jim and Mark left, right? Um, And I think that's where it's like you do something and you're a part of the ecosystem or infrastructure for the ecosystem for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? People are going to grow and change and do other things and maybe boomerang back, right? We've had plenty of boomerang employees. Um, Matt Claver, I think, is on his third or fourth uh, tour of duty here. But at the end of the day, it needs to be, you know, sort of the ethos of the organization. And it is here. Um, so yeah, that that is how I would respond to that. <laughs> Aaron Nelson is the CEO now. Correct. Yeah. Tell, tell me about her. I don't know her at all. Um, I like Erin. She, so she started her career, I believe at Dell did a lot of marketing, chief marketing officer job. She lives in Austin, um, has a couple kids there. Um, and yeah, my interactions with her, she has been, you know, very clear and very committed again to, understanding the work that we do here and the clients that we serve um, and the fact that we are going to, you know, continue moving forward uh, with that. I feel good about that. I also feel good about the fact that um, I guess a couple things I can tell you that one, you know, NGP van is going to continue being a full-fledged brand, right? Um, as everything else with Good Co kind of evolves over the next little bit. Um, and that's certainly a recognition of the fact that we are the brand and the company that has served this space and this customer base for such a long time. And we want to make sure that that's preserved. Chelsea Peterson. Wait, hang on. Does that mean my initials are going to persist? They will. Nathaniel, I mean, I All think the times that- I denied that that was what it was. <laughs> I mean, it is funny, you know, it's been so much talk about like, what's the name going to be and how's it's going to be? And and it's like, well, obviously NGP van is the thing that everyone doesn't understand. I, I'm convinced in, in some very small fine print somewhere, it's like Nathaniel G. Perlman needs to continue to exist in some way, shape or form. Um, Sigh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, not just Aaron, but, you know, Chelsea Peterson is going to be the general manager for NGP van, you know, Lou is going to be SVP of NGP customer strategy, right? Um, So Lou is still here sort of really helping guide and drive things on the political fundraising and compliance side. And I bring the two of them up, first of all, just because they are continuing to sort of persist here and help guide and lead and work with Aaron, along with a lot of other people, right? There's sort of too many people for me to name um, in terms of folks who have been here and um, help make sure that uh, all of that keeps happening. Whenever there's like uh, the kind of transition that comes when you sell the company, 
and the CEO leaves in Stu's case, there's often a lot of other change too. Some people got compensation and uh, some people have been here a long time, but there's been a lot of change. Tuvin, who was head of product, Aaron, who was the chief, what, financial officer? Oh, CFO. CFO. John Lee, who I believe is leaving with you or roundabout. Around the the same time, yeah, CTO, yeah. And a lot of other sort of longtime stalwarts of the company have, for a variety of reasons, probably individual, but probably not unrelated to some of the change also, are outgoing or have left. And I suspect that there are other people thinking about it whenever there's change in leadership and it's disorienting a little bit. What's going on with that sort of exodus that's part and parcel of this time period in the company's history? Yeah. I mean, honestly, Nathaniel, I think it's sort of what what a lot of what we just chatted about, right? I think it is a time for people, especially people who have maybe been here for a long time to think about, hey, you start someplace that has much more of a startup vibe, operates a lot more as a startup is just frankly a a lot smaller. And, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, as it becomes a much larger company, right? I think different different people respond to that differently or want a different kind of work environment, right? I think for some people, I know it's just like kind of, it it makes me sad, but like some people just do get burnt out on the political space and want to frankly go be able to work somewhere that's not political at all, right? Um, and have a little bit more of that separation. So I don't want to speak for anybody else but as much as i will it's just that like the the folks who i talk to and some of the ones who have moved on it is just truly for like a variety of different reasons right um and look i do as you noted think that like this is a moment when there's a lot of change management happening and that causes people to really think and reflect you know about uh what they want personally. I mean, particularly with you and John, who have been central to the company for so long and were kind of, if I understand it right, part of really talking to the new, the new C-suite, the new leadership. If without you there, what, what representation will the political and the nonprofit have in the high leadership? Yeah, so that is where they actually are splitting my role into the general manager for NGP Van and then the general manager for fundraising and engagement, which is every action. And so both of those will be represented on the leadership team. And one of those is Chelsea. So Chelsea is the general manager for NGP Van, still closing in on the general manager for every action, essentially. Um, They're talking to some really exciting folks. We're talking to some exciting folks, but don't um, quite have that confirmed yet. So that'll definitely be represented there. That's where I'd also say folks like, you know, Vicki Simpson-Schumacher, who's been with the company for six, I'm going to say five or six years. She's the SVP for nonprofit sales across 
the whole company now. Folks like Mark Puglio, still the VP for client services for everything. So um, again, we've talked about Lou, we've talked about, you know, Mike. So there are certainly like people who have that uh, more historical context who are in positions here to help make sure that that continues to be reflected. I think the last thing is, you know, Aaron actually was, I think, very thoughtful and um, proactive about, you know, the strategic advisory board for the NGP van business. That was fully her idea. And, you know, in the conversations that we were having, you know, she said to me, hey, uh, to me and John, hey, we want to make sure that we keep this connection with you all that we're able to sort of tap into your knowledge and history of the business and the market to be able to make sure that all of that is still sort of coming back to the organization. And so I am really thrilled to be able to keep that connection in, I think, a a role in a way that, that works for me right now. Well, I don't know about the strategic advisory board. Yeah. Um, tell me a little more about that. Who's on it and what's what will it well, do? Well, so so I am uh since we got through the announcement of this week, uh a lot of the details are what I'm going to be sorting out over the next month, my last month here. Just in terms of size, meeting cadence, things like that. Um but the real intention is that it becomes a place for us to have folks come together, be members of this board who really can be helping inform um, NGP Van, right, the political part of the business on really what is happening in the market, right? Like what is happening out there in the ecosystem above and beyond, obviously, you know, the product discovery, user interviews, things like that, that are happening all the time with the product team. But this is really more about, again, going back to those three tenants, right? Like, are we reinforcing the core? Are we being innovative in the places and the ways that the the customer base needs us to? And then are we helping the ecosystem grow and succeed? The idea behind the strategic advisory board is this will kind of be the canary in the coal mine in terms of getting that understanding, being able to have more of that feedback loop with other stakeholders in the community um, to be able to sort of read that back to the organization. So that's the other thing I would say, right, Um, is, uh, again, for me personally, very thrilled that it means that I get to keep that connection over here. But I think um, it is a testament to Erin that she really saw it as, hey, I want to make sure that uh, we we have those connections, we have those ways of, of keeping that communication open. So yeah, very, very excited about that and to sort of get that off the ground over the next month or two. John Lee's position, so he's been CTO for quite a while and he came in as an intern. He's got a long history w- with the firm and, and so certainly knows the space. Do you think they will hire for somebody with domain knowledge, or we think they will be looking for somebody in a company that's maybe thinking about IPO or things like that, you might look for different characteristics in the CTO. Do you have a sense of what they're going to go for? So, I mean, I'll just start by saying, you know, I'm not on the hiring committee for CTO. I do think for a company of this like breadth and scope, right? Like you're going to want to be looking for somebody who likely has experience, (laughs) right? With a company of this 
of this size with this sort of coverage. So I don't feel like it would be a a secret to say that they're probably looking for somebody who has some industry experience, a company that has just even, you know, the number of products, number of employees, that sort of thing. But I I will also just say I'm not super involved um, in the CTO search. What about on the product side? I mean, for the mm-hmm. for the political business and the nonprofit business, the NGP van, every action that we know, um, mm-hmm. the product is just a crucial lead position. Tuvin, having left, was both a, a loss of the, I don't know, nine or so years that she did that and knowing the product inside and out, but also an opportunity to... Uh, to you know, bring someone in with new energy and and who can help drive that part of the business. Where is the company on that position? Yeah, so we are looking for an um, an SVP, essentially a, a backfill for Tuvan. Um, in the meantime, I'll say it's been pretty great to see um, our existing VP. So people like you know, Matt Burry and Lily Eichow, Jess Matthews from Mobilize, right? Um, all Rob Winnicates. Um, so folks who have also been here helping guide the product for a really long time, be able to sort of step up and, um, and really take the opportunity, you know, to think about how are we um, thinking about the product vision and product strategy moving forward, right? Um, and so they've been doing a lot of that work in, you know, conjunction with our, our chief product officer. Um, but yes, they're looking at backfilling Tuvin. One of the other things that uh, we've also been talking about is bringing on um, a VP of product for all of NGP Van. And that's something that I am very supportive of um, because I think probably, as you know, right, we've we've traditionally had more of a, okay, there's organizing leadership, there's fundraising and compliance leadership, there's digital leadership, right? So I've been really excited by the conversation of, hey, it would actually be very helpful for us to have someone sort of at the senior level of the product organization who's thinking holistically, right, about how our customers were using all of those different products, experiencing it, right? Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's that's the other change that we're looking at making there, um, which I am excited about. I think that's a very good one. Some people who've talked to me about the last bunch of years uh, as the company was kind of growing the, the nonprofit side have felt that the political was underfunded, under-resourced pretty badly during that time because the effort was to this new market. Is there an opportunity to remedy that, if that's true, with these new changes, with new investments that maybe the new kind of corporate structure might allow? What's coming next for the political side, which I know you and I care a lot about? Yeah, for sure. So, so I think, again, um, even just the fact that they're splitting my role, you know, sort of what Stu's role had been as well, where it's um, that there will be a GM for political, for NGP Van, and then a GM for the nonprofit fundraising engagement, every action side. I actually feel like that's a super important, just kind of like structural change and implication for for what that means, really saying, hey, it's not going to be on 
one person to kind of be balancing the equities of that, right? That political is going to have fully the same seat at the at the table as um, the nonprofit side. Um, and obviously the uh, VP of product for all of NGP Van, I feel like that's another indication. On the one hand, I will certainly say yes, right? Um, because I think that those are, are real indications of the level of commitment and the direction that the company overall is going in terms of recognizing the need for investment there. On the other side, and this is probably or definitely like a little bit defensive of me, I will also just say, I think the fact that at the end of the day, it is the same product, right? That is serving the nonprofit side and serving the political side has been absolutely a benefit to both, right? I think, again, the investments that we've been able to make into the core CRM, kind of like the adjustments and the things that we learn from either market that then are able to benefit the other, right, have meant that there is continuous investment in the product and in those customers. Overall, I would definitely say, like like you mentioned, right, like the political side, incredibly passionate about that, very excited to see some opportunity for even further growth and investment there. But we'll also just say, I, I think that we've been doing a pretty decent job <laughs> of, of surfing both for a while. If you're now going to do this advisory board, um, then both in that role and, and in your long time in the space, you probably have a very good sense of the competitive landscape. What do you think is new and different about that landscape when you think about particularly the core CRM um, and how it fits in? You know, Do you think that is secure? Do you think that's threatened? Do you think there are other contenders for that? How do you view that? So I I think it's pretty secure. I think the areas that I am most interested in seeing NGP Van continue to invest in, frankly, is just continuing to build on especially what we've been doing over the last 18 months, right? Where it's like, hey, at the end of the day, this is a CRM that has like been around and kicking and had like a lot of use, like had a lot of program run on top of it for close to 20 years, right? And I think that's where you know enough to know that when we're talking about something like, you know, major updates to foundational database fields like name and all of the different ways that those are interconnected and called in the platform and voter file updates and membership updates and all of those things, right? It's like, it can seem like such a, again, like dry, small thing to say, oh, wow, you did this. But actually, I feel like doing that work is, again, a reflection of what's the most important thing to kick off a conversation with a volunteer and an organizer or an organizer it's calling somebody by their correct name, right? And so as those kinds of issues are surfacing up, our ability to invest in the CRM to make sure that it is a modern, progressive CRM, I think it's very important. The other big piece of that I do think is just sort of what's happening with channel optimization and contact. I think one of the, the biggest trends 
has been this sort of decentralization of contact, one. And then two, from a tech and tools perspective, how is the volunteer or the supporter being centered in terms of like the core user that you're serving. Um, And so I think a lot of thought into, you know, how are we making sure that those kinds of supporter volunteer experiences are as good as they can be, um, that they support those decentralized use cases where you're not necessarily sitting next to a staffer, an organizer, or someone who's like fully trained up very deep in the platform, right? Um, Thinking about those kinds of things and making sure that at the end of the day, I'll also say whether it's our tools or another tool that a campaign or organization is using, making sure that all of that data can actually be reflected back in the CRM so that uh, the folks who are running campaigns and programs can can use it. I think those are some of the biggest trends I would highlight. Um, I'll just sort of give a side note there that It's one of the things I've been most interested and excited about as we've been doing more work with Mobilize. You know, Jess Matthews, who's the VP of product for Mobilize, is actually the VP of product for what we're calling like the supporter experience, right? So starting to expand that and think about like not just Mobilize, but those other surfaces um, and really having someone who is you know, trying to think about that more holistically. I just think she's incredible and I love that product so much. And I think that it's helped us learn a lot and push our own thinking about how we're approaching that and approaching those kinds of programs. I mean, when I was thinking about competition, I was thinking specifically about the fact that Civitech had raised $10 million dollars um, that PDI has also found money and made acquisitions and hired people to run product and, and things like that. And, and there's Helm out there. That's another set of tools that's in at, at the very least an adjacent space. Do you feel like the product cycle and the trajectory of improvement in the NGP van side, the every action side is sufficiently quick? Do you, do you think that's going to have to change to keep up as different people eye this? Yes, I do. You know, I think obviously even on the, the nonprofit side, I would add Salesforce and BlackBot to that, right? Um, in terms of what competitors. Sort of, yeah, right, right. Exactly. To, to keep an eye on. And I think it's certainly a, something there's a that Microsoft uh, one, two. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, the name on that one is escaping me right now, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that our product team, our team in general, right. Is consistently looking at in terms of what else is being offered out there. Um, not just in the political space, but in the nonprofit space to me, that also goes back to, you know, what we were talking about just a little while ago, right. Where it's like, being able to stay updated on, you know, the, the not hyper-focused political CRMs, but also some of those other CRMs that, that serve other use cases and making sure that we're being really smart and responsive about what we're seeing in the market to make those updates. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's something that we stay focused on. So 
yes. I I will also say that third tenant of helping lead in the ecosystem is competition makes all of us better. Being able to to see that and use it to push ourselves forward and push ourselves to do more, I don't see as a bad thing. Rising tide lifts all boats. So, <laughs> you know, I've been well outside this for a long time and and don't know very much except from conversations that I have with people like you. Um, but I've had this sort of vague or less vague worry about the political and nonprofit side of the company post this acquisition. Should I be worried? What worries you the most? The thing that worries me the most is honestly knowing that that worry is out there. I am optimistic, right? Like I frankly feel like I wouldn't be taking this step back if I didn't feel like things were in a place where I could. I worry that this like generalized anxiety while in some ways I can understand it can kind of be like a distraction, right? From being able to focus on like, hey, what are the things that we can all do together? And how are we just making sure that we're sort of like driving forward to the right outcomes? That being said, myself and other people here understand that that anxiety exists for reasons, Right. And so I do believe it's it's up to us and up to the company to make sure that everything that we do helps alleviate that anxiety. Right. Um, so I'll say for myself, I'm very optimistic. I feel like things are on a very good path and there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of commitment and yes, in some ways, like really renewed commitment to making sure that this part of the company is well served and that these customers are very well served. I also feel confident that the company will continue to prove that and continue to serve the space really well. It's my assumption and it's the assumption of other people that I've talked to that there's a a drive at this time to push the company to an IPO to become a public company with this conglomerate that's been built. I think it's probably a little early to really address that, but what kind of consequence do you think being a public company would have on the partisan democratic component of this, if any? I mean, truly, Nathaniel, it's one of those things where it's just, uh, you probably know enough at this point, right? <laughs> to know that to to try and change that or adjust that at this point it would just have such a huge well, I don't consequence mean, I, don't, I don't mean i don't mean necessarily that anyone would undo the mission there are just different incentives in a large financialized enterprise than there were in a small mission business i just wonder about that rather amorphously yeah i mean i there are, there are advantages too. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, and frankly, that's just exactly where my head goes, right? Because it is like so much of what we've seen and what I've seen over the last like four or five, six, seven years is frankly like across our customer base, right? Like just the expectations around not just our product development or our service, right? But 
security, infrastructure, all of those other things, they're obviously incredibly important, right? But it's like the wave of, I think, industry folks who especially came in post-2016 election and drove a lot of, um, I guess I would say, demand, right, around saying, hey, it's great that that you all have been a small, very mission-driven company for a while, and not just us, but other folks in the space, but to say, hey, at the end of the day, like, you need to be performing at, like, top of the industry standards in all of those ways. And so that is a real requirement for companies and services like ourselves. Hey, at the end of the day, like, yes, those kinds of investment also cost money, right? Um, on, on the question of whether or not something would go public, truly, I feel like that answer is who knows, right? Like who knows for a number of reasons, but I do think it's fair to say like a company of this size and with this kind of investment, you do operate as though that is one potential outcome. And so yes, driving toward that, um, whether it happens or not, again, I, I look at it and it's like, well, we do want to make sure that we'd be ready for it if it happened, right? But again, I go back to it and think, frankly, of all of the benefit that our customers would get and do get, right, by by us thinking that way and operating that way in terms of the infrastructure investment, security investment, best practices, all of those kinds of things. It's my strong opinion that in the long run, a software company is going to live or die by the quality of their software product. Building software, while it's not by by any means the the everything that has to be done to build a software company, it it is getting easier, can be done quicker. A lot of people have been surprised at how much there is in a CRM. But if the quality isn't there, people will find other places to go in the long run. Do you think that that understanding of the crucial central importance of product quality is there in the current uh, yes. company? Yes. What's your evidence for that? So I think one of the um, big things is across the company, there's been a lot of work towards figuring out uh, sort of a connective tissue, right, of an impact agenda, right? And meaning, hey, across all of these things, what are we driving towards? How are we making sure that we're all heading in the same direction? Um, and that also means, right, like what KPIs, what metrics do we care about tracking? And product is at least half of that, right? Like user love, NPS, product adoption rate, just all of those things, right, are, are very much ingrained in the things that we're looking at and the things that we care about. So yes, absolutely. And I think that's, again, sorry, but going back to it, right? Um, the uh, investment and creation of things like product operations teams, right? And a product management office. Um, so really, frankly, expanding the investment and in infrastructure around the product and R&D teams, I think is another big 
benefit and change that's happened over the last several months. I guess product and the support of it, the whole product experience, and it goes to the integration with, it goes to what do the campaigns and organizations and users that that have this in front of them, how does it work for them? Like broadly, how wh- how hard is it to adopt? How easy can they get help? How close does it come to helping them execute the programs that they need to, to win the campaigns that they need to win? It's so crucial to the space that we're in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, but again, I think that that's where the work to say, hey, we want to make sure that weekly, monthly, quarterly, we're keeping an eye on all of those things. And frankly, even expanding what just we ourselves were tracking, right? And putting even more of that in place. So so when I talk to you, you're so knowledgeable about the space and the company, and you've been such an asset to the firm. It is going to be a big loss. And I know that it's tricky for you to to contemplate this, but like, what's next? What can you do after something of this size and scope and requirement for stretching yourself that you've been in the middle of? Um, well, so I'll, I'll start by saying thank you for that. This is the part where it makes my hands sweaty because I don't like talking about this sort of thing. Um, uh, I am going to force myself to take like a couple months to try and like get bored. Like I said, you know, I, I've never um, taken a real break other than in early 2016 when, you know, I had surgery and needed to take a month, but like, that's not the real, that's not the <laughs> that's same. Not the right? <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, so really trying to force myself to do that. I am very excited about getting the advisory board off the ground. I feel like that um, both in terms of just cool, that's something I can sort of dive my head into and also give my days a little bit of structure (laughs) as I'm going from doing all of these things to just uh, doing a lot less. Um, And then, you know, when I think about 2022, um, I'm actually thinking about who can I reach out to, to maybe like, get out on the field in the fall. It's been several years um, since I've done that in a real way and would like to get my hands back in it. And I've always felt like that's something that really fuels me and I always get really inspired by and just learn so much, right? Like nothing beats being in a staging location you know, hearing people yell about actually just trying to use all of these different tools to run their programs. Thinking about that. And then um, after that, you know, who knows? I've got a couple big ideas, but nothing that I feel like it's quite ready to talk about yet. So we'll see. I am looking forward to like not setting an alarm clock for at least a few weeks. You know, tell me what it's like, Nathaniel. What should I be doing with my free time? I I recommend a (laughs) podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually joking with someone. I was like, what if Nathaniel let me just have like five minutes at the end of every episode where it was me, except like distorted voice on just like, here's a topic, like go. (laughs) Amanda, Amanda, you have guest time on the podcast whenever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Be careful what you wish for. I know. (laughs) So, What would you say to the NGP van employees 
that are feeling anxiety right now about you leaving, about John leaving, about Stu having left, about change, about leadership coming from one of the other companies in the conglomerate that have a lot of MBAs that don't necessarily get political, that that see things different. What would you say to them to keep them on board if that's appropriate to, uh, well, I don't know. What would you say to them generally? Wow. I'm feeling like I need to come up with my Al Pacino any given Sunday speech. It's a game of inches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, look, what I would, what I would really say is, like I said a little earlier, change is a constant and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. When I joined this company in April of 2008, I was employee ID 39, right? I am leaving and we are a company, just NGP van in every action of a little over 500 and a broader company of 1300. And that change from 39 to this many did not happen overnight. Everything that happened to get us here, right? Like the the merger of NGP and Van, right? The launch of every action, bringing Blue State and Mobilize and all of these other folks into the fold. It has been a, a gradual process. And I believe that every step of the way, expanding who has been part of the team has been a benefit for the company, right? It gives you opportunities to learn. It gives you opportunities to grow, build your career here in ways that you might not have been able to had that growth not happened. And I will also say, again, I am not worried about the commitment to who we're serving, and how we're serving them. I'm very confident and optimistic about what that means moving forward. The last thing I'll say is I am genuinely like rooting for every single person here and all of our clients. And even though I'm not going to be Amanda at ngpvan.com forever in a little while. I'm not going to announce my cell phone number on on your podcast, but it hasn't changed in a very long time and everybody has it. So I'm not that hard to find. (laughs) Well, I know that when I was in charge of this company, uh, one of the roots of it, and and in charge of Graphicacy, my, my current small company, that whenever I've lost somebody who was talented and integral to the enterprise that I felt great pangs about it and wondered whether things would recover. But it's always been the case that if you are aware of that and you seek talent again with determination and a commitment to bring the right types of people in who care about the mission, who have the know-how and the energy. Sometimes it is really for the better to have new talent, new energy. I hope for the company and for the space that that's happening and that you guys make great hires and move on and prosper and solve a lot of problems for the people that we care about that are running the campaigns and organizations that are trying to hold this democracy together. I know. I know. I mean, look, I I absolutely agree with you. 
you've heard me say a lot of other names over the course of this conversation. And part of that is also because like, look, you've been in this position before too, right? It's it's one of those things where there's this weird tension of, of like, yes, it's very flattering and very nice. And I've worked very hard, right? To build my career and try and be this uh, good person, good partner, all of those things over the course of years. But like, <laughs> I am not the one doing all of the things no. uh, in the day to day, you know? And sometimes even for all the, for all whatever I brought or whatever you bring, sometimes the enterprise may be better off in the long run. Right. There needs to be opportunity for other people to come in and put their stamp on it. Actually, going back to product, I was just talking to somebody about this recently, where it's like, when I first became general manager, right? I did that coming from the product department, right? And so you can imagine, I was like, a nightmare with our poor product team for organizing where it was so in the weeds on everything, right? About the roadmap. And it's because I had such a hard time letting go of that. And over the last two or three years, I came to the realization of like, oh God, I'm being horrible. (laughs) I'm just being awful about this. And also it's crazy. We have people who are doing this job and it's actually their job. It's not my job. And I think the more that I have stepped back into really just being that sort of like business level, market level, customer level stakeholder of like, hey, how are we constructing this? How are we making sure like, yes, of course, like present to me the user feedback and things like that to help guide the roadmap, but really help like giving them the ability to do their job and have that space and room to do that. I mean, our NPS scores have gone up like 15 points on the organizing side in the last like 18 months, you know? And I just think that's a perfect example, right? Of like, I need to get out of the way and some of us need to really let other people grow and breathe and move into these positions because one of the things I love about technology and software, but also about campaigns in this space is nothing is static, right? And if it's static, you're actually not doing it right. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you saying that and I very much agree with you. Do you think that Aaron, or I guess the guy's name is Mango, that is head, <laughs> is head of product, do you think either of them would be up for coming on the podcast to talk about their vision? Maybe I'll ask them. I haven't talked to them about it, but Erin generally is, she is very much, you know, all in on things and, you know, super transparent in terms of the way that she communicates with staff. And so I will absolutely ask her about it. I think she might be up for it. Amanda, is there a question that I failed to ask that I should have? (laughs) I don't think so, Nathaniel. I feel like we went pretty deep. (laughs) <laughs> so no i don't i don't well, think so. well i think you did a great job i mean i Thank i you. admire how you handled some of the impertinence of my questions and <laughs> and i and i appreciate you taking the time is there anything else you want to say i mean i you know again if i if i may um take some liberty here on my Uh, as I slowly fade into irrelevance. I just want to say thank you. I would not be here were it not for for you and this thing that you started. And it has genuinely been 
an honor, you know, to have spent a little bit of time and had a role here helping move this thing forward. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to you and to everyone else who has given me the opportunity to do what I've done here. So thank you. Well, the the bigger and more complicated and more amalgamated it gets, the less credit I can claim, which is pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every Redwood starts as a seed, Nathaniel. So... <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. That was Amanda Colom. Amanda is at bonterratech.com. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman with the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found.